everyone and welcome to episode 29 of Added Time, a James and Grouch Studio podcast with me, your host, Steve Watkins. And it's been a controversial week in the world of football. Manchester City look like they could be in a little bit of trouble. But before all of that, we are going to have a look at the Premier League results from the weekend. And yeah, I got a few of these wrong. I got some right, but I got a few of these wrong. Uh, so let's start off with last Friday. So this game was happening whilst I was recording uh, Chelsea versus Fulham, and it finished up nil-nil. Uh, a lot of talk about Chelsea's new players and them not quite performing, but it's going to take time for those players to to gel, isn't it? Let's be realistic about that. So a good point away for Fulham as well. On to Saturday, we started off with Everton versus Arsenal. Now, for everyone, this looked like a banker Arsenal win. So obviously Everton won 1-0. Uh, Sean Dyche's first match in charge and a goal made in Burnley was the winner. A Dwight McNeil corner headed in by James Tarkowski. So two ex-Burnley players winning the match for the ex-Burnley manager against the league leaders. Uh, but we'll come to realise that actually this result doesn't dent Arsenal's challenge, title challenge too much. On to the game at Villa Park. So Aston Villa 2, Leicester City 4. Lovely stuff. So the three debutants started the game for, for Leicester. So Tete on the right wing. Uh, we had Christiansen uh, left back. And of course, our... Our new centre-back, Harry Souter, played, who unfortunately did score an own goal. There's not a lot he could have done about it, to be honest. But from what I what I heard, I didn't get to watch the match, unfortunately. I was uh, I was out, I was travelling uh, whilst the game was actually going on. I drove past Villa Park, actually, whilst it was um, during the half-time uh, break. It was, it was, uh, it sounded like, you know, Souter for, let's you know, start with him. It sounded like he added a bit more of a presence into that back four, you know, he's a very tall guy and I'm hoping to see a bit more from him, hoping that him and Wout Fass can build a good partnership. Obviously, Johnny Evans is going to be back soon as well. Uh, obviously not the player that, it, that he was, but who knows? Hopefully a little bit of luck and he will he'll find himself back in the team and adding a little bit of competition for those two. Christiansen at left back, by all accounts, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I did see a... Aston Villa fan tweet that he wasn't that good to which even Aston Villa fans were telling this guy to shut up because apparently he was, he was very, very good. And everybody, I say everybody, every Leicester fan that was there on Saturday and since then is very, very excited by Tete. A bit of Samba magic is, is coming to the East Midlands. I'm really, really looking forward to Saturday's game against Tottenham, hoping to get to see him play. It looks like the player that we've needed for such a long time. I talked about how we've never really replaced Mares, and it's so hard to replace a player that is that good. Now, got to calm down a little bit. This is one game against Villa, who can be a bit dodgy at the back. But watching him play, he looks confident. He looks exactly what we've needed. And I think that him being in the team and him doing what he can do, it will free up other players 
to actually play in their more natural position. So because Tete was out on the right, Madison was able to play in that number 10 role, which where he is um, the best. That's where he's the best at. Um, and he did score as well. Uh, I think it also means that Iheanacho would be is better at leading the line. A lot of people, myself included, have said that Iheanacho can't play as a lone striker. But I think if you've got someone that is a natural right winger, a left-footed right winger, that will free Iheanacho up to just stay stay in the middle of the pitch, stay in, within the width of the, of the goal, and the chances will come. By all accounts, he could have had a hat-trick, Iheanacho, at the weekend. But uh, one goal and one assist, which is good enough, when, especially when our other strikers aren't scoring. So there's a real buzz around... Uh, around Leicester at the moment, from the fans especially. Like I say, we've got to calm down a little bit. We've we've been here before where we've seen players have amazing debuts and then they've gone on to be fairly, fairly average. I, I get a feeling this is going to be a little bit different with, with, uh, with Tete. Uh, and let's just hope that if he does turn out to be uh, a fantastic player for us, that we can sign him on a permanent as well. So, Great result for Leicester. Still some work to do defensively. I thought Danny Ward could have done better with the goals, um, or at least one of the goals anyway. Uh, so, look, there's still a little bit of work to be done, but a great result away from home. And it's just a shame, really, that some of the teams below, as Everton included, did pick up points as well because a gap could have really opened up. But it is what it is. Four tough games, well... Some tough games coming up for Leicester in the coming weeks as well. So it was important that we get that win, uh, given our recent run. So Brentford picked up a comfortable 3-0 win against Southampton. Southampton stay rooted to the bottom of the table. And Nathan Jones with a very, very strange press conference where, or post-match interview where he talked about being too lenient and... Uh, allowing players to get away with things. And he maybe it was because the mindset was that these were Premier League players and he's got to treat them differently. It was it was very, very bizarre. And there was talk earlier on in the week of maybe he would go, but I think he's, he's, he's going to stay. He's still the Southampton manager at the time of recording. I mean, they do look like it's going to be, it does look like it's going to be hard for Southampton to get out of that bottom three, but it is still very, very tight down there. Uh, so who knows? Brighton continue their wonderful run. A late goal from Bitoma, who is on fire at the moment. Uh, got them a 1-0 win against Bournemouth. Bournemouth find themselves uh, in the bottom three as well. Uh, United 2, Crystal Palace 1. So a good result there at home for United. And... I guess the big story from this was was Casemiro uh, being sent off, which means he's missed three games. He's going to miss three games. One of those games he has already missed because United did play last night. Uh, but Marcus Rashford with with a goal uh, as well. So he's continuing that, that great form that he's in. Wolves provided somewhat of a shock when they turned over Liverpool 3-0 on Saturday. Now, I've said this would be a draw because... I th- you know, Liverpool just aren't the team that they were 
it's really, really strange what's going on at Liverpool. Yes, I know they've got one or two injuries, and I know that they are short of what people would say real quality in the midfield. But they've still got some really, really good players, and it's very un-Liverpool like if you uh, if you catch my drift. So I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, Klopp isn't going to get the sack. You know, you would be you would be crazy to sack a manager of that quality off the back of a few bad results and maybe a bad season. I mean, the long the long term impacts could be huge. You know, not not qualifying for the Champions League. We talked about I talked about this at length last week. You know, not qualifying qualifying for the Champions League does impact you kind of your funds going forwards and stuff. So. Uh, I guess watch this space, but Wolves got a great result, three 0 and like I say, with them winning and Everton winning, it was it was probably a good job Leicester did win, or they'd be right in there now. So, and then Newcastle picking up a draw against West Ham. So that's the first goal. Uh, it was one one. So it was the first goal Newcastle have conceded at home for ages, absolutely ages. So a good result. I guess for Newcastle, good result for West Ham as well. Uh, so, yeah, Newcastle are still flying, still doing really well. Uh, Forest one leads nil, and as a result of this, Jesse Marsh was sacked uh, earlier this week. I, you could kind of see it coming. It seemed like he'd lost the dressing room a bit. Uh, talking to Sam, he was saying that there's, you know there's just no game plan. There's no, you know, there's nothing. And I think the fans and, and the players had grown tired of Marsh and uh, off he went. Another great result for Forest. They are climbing the table. What, what a turnaround from them. So, but going back to Leeds, uh, they've not appointed a manager so far. They were linked with the Rio Vallecano manager. And they've also been linked with one or two others. You know, there's, there's talk of Poch. I cannot see that myself. Famous last words. Uh, Bielsa's name has been mentioned. I'm not really sure that's that's one for that they should be be looking into. Uh, Corberan at West Brom was heavily linked, and then he was offered a new deal at West Brom, so that put pay to that. Uh, he was Bielsa's assistant, of course. So uh, there was a, a, a link there as well, and he's doing he's doing a great job at West at West Brom. So you can see why. Leeds were looking at him. And then Sunday afternoon, Spurs won, Man City nil. So despite Arsenal losing against Everton, Man City further drop points. And the week would only get worse for Man City. And I'll come on to that shortly. Um, so Harry Kane with the goal there against Man City. And he is now clear out on his own as Spurs all-time leading goal scorer. So he's beat the great Jimmy Greaves. He's now on, Harry Kane is now on 267 goals for Spurs. And with that goal as well, he joined the 200 club. Uh, he is only one of three players to score 200 Premier League goal. He joins Rooney and Alan Shearer, of course. And he is 61 now behind Shearer. It, I think it can be done. I think he's I think he's definitely got it in him, even if he stays at Spurs for the next four or five years. He's definitely got it in him to beat that record. 
So look, I mean, Harry Kane, he he divides opinion. And whether I'm blinkered by the fact that he was on loan at Leicester and wasn't very good. But if you'd have told me that that guy that was on the bench for the playoff game, playoff semi-final against Watford, where he was sat there with Vardy, uh, quite a famous picture now of the two of them sat there. If you'd have told me that guy would go on to be Spurs all-time leading goal scorer, you know, and he will extend that record as well, uh, and he will threaten Alan Shearer's Premier League record, I'd have I'd have laughed at you because he just didn't look like he would go on to be a, a Premier League striker. And I actually think that as much as you know. I have some sort of resentment towards Harry Kane because he scores a lot of goals against Leicester uh, and he wasn't very good for us. I actually think he's turned out to be a very good footballer. So a lot of central strikers like Kane, they are just that. They are just goal scorers. But there's been times where Harry Kane has been one of the best all-round players in the league as well. You know, he he was during that... during that season where we we broke because of COVID, you know, he was turning provider and, and got a ridiculous amount of assists. Uh, so his all-round game is is very good um, as well. So um, I don't want to blow too much smoke up his ass because uh, I have my opinions on him. I mean, look, he, he seems like a, a great person, but he just, yeah. Just stop scoring against Leicester, for God's sake. You know, I'm sick of it. Every bloody game. And we've got them this weekend. And uh, you know what's coming. You do know what's coming. He's going to score a hat trick, but we're going to score four. So it's good. Leicester and now we're, we're going to be like Newcastle under Keegan. We're going to be the ultimate entertainers. Can't defend for shit, but we're going to score a lot of goals. I hope. Uh, so last night we had uh, Man United versus Leeds, the big rivalry uh, up in that part of the country. Leeds went 2-0 up. They looked like they were cruising and Rashford gets himself a goal. And then a returning Jaden Sancho gets himself a goal as well. And he makes it 2-2. So again, a good result for Leeds. You know, they've they've picked up straight straight away after the manager being sacked. So there may have been a little bit of a managerial bounce there. It looked like they were going to be comfortable at 2-0. Now, I just want to talk very briefly about Jaden Sancho. We know what has happened. Or, well, we don't know what's happened, but he had some time away from football, essentially. He was out of the country. Eric Ten Hag had sent him to Holland to go and train during the World Cup. He was seen you know, training on his own, working on his game. He didn't seemingly go on holiday like the other players that weren't at the World Cup. But he spent a bit of time away. And, you know, there has been talk of maybe it was mental health related. And look, you know, any, anyone that, that goes through through mental health, you know, you, you know, it is it is a struggle. You know, I've been there myself and it can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter whether you are... um a uh, 37-year-old <laughs> with a family, you know, with a with a, an okay job or 
you're a 21 year old footballer with the world at your feet and earning hundreds of thousands a month, you know, your mental health can, can get anyone. It can affect anyone. So to see him back on a pitch and to see him scoring again is great. But part of the problem more than likely with, with what has seemingly happened with Sancho is how people react on social media. Now I come on here and, you know, I criticize players and maybe I shouldn't because there'll always be a thousand times the footballer I ever was. If I was ever even a footballer, if, if you know what I mean. Um, but footballers get, and not just footballers, a lot of sports people, anyone in the public eye, they get so much abuse online. Um, and I do wonder whether that played a significant part in what happened with Sancho. Now, what I saw last night, and this isn't me criticize this wasn't me criticizing the player at all. It was me criticizing how social media is. I kept seeing tweets, not from United fans or anyone like that, from you know your 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 normal sort of outlet, ESPN, you know, Bleacher Report, BBC, you know, Sky, blah, all of those. It was your main sort of media outlets. You know, uh, they were saying things like form is form is temporary, class is permanent. Sancho is back. I'm not being funny, and I know he clearly had something going on. But prior to his break that he had from football, he wasn't doing great in the United shirt. And yes, there's a number of reasons for that. And, you know, even uh, I'm sure it was earlier on this season, we saw him score a great goal against against Liverpool. Uh, I saw him score against Leicester. It was, it, was a, it was a very well taken goal. But other than sort of the odd couple of goals here and there, I don't remember seeing a Jaden Sancho performance and thinking, wow, what a player he is. Now, clearly, he did it in Germany. That's where he's effectively made a name for himself, was at Dortmund, linking up with Haaland and getting a, quite a few assists, which you would if you were giving the ball to Erling Haaland. You're going to get a, quite a lot of assists. So I think to say things like form is temporary, class is permanent, for a player that wasn't doing it in the first place. It's over the top. And okay, that's praising a player, but it, it can have the same impact in terms of a player can start to get above their own station and stuff like that. Now, I said it earlier, I think it's great to see him back on a football pitch because that's what he does best. You know, and he made that move to, to Germany when he was very young and has come back to the Premier League and he's had to adapt and adjust and all not. So it's great. It's great that he's back and it's good for it's good for United, of course. It's good for England. And I hope he does well. Not too well, obviously, um, when it whenever United play Leicester. But, you know, let's just calm it down a bit, you know. If he starts pulling sort of Rashford numbers or he, you know, scores five, assists five in the next 10 games, then maybe we can start to sort of go, tell you what, this is the player we've been waiting for. So, look, all the best to him. And, and you know, if it was his mental health that he was struggling with, I'm glad that he's sorted it. 
you know, sometimes you never really get over it, but he's obviously been able to manage it to a point where he can get himself back uh, in front of a huge crowd at Old Trafford. So there we are. That's uh, that's the Premier League roundup for for last weekend. Um, that took a bit longer than I thought. Anyway, never mind. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I will go through the fixtures for this weekend. Um, now, there was, there's was there been talk over the last couple of days about a uh, the Super League again. There's been there's been a re a rebranding of the Super League where it does include promotion and relegation. Now, look, I will be honest. I have not really looked into this at all. The last couple of days have been hectic, and I've been really looking into this man city stuff more than more than anything so maybe i'll talk about this proposed super league in a bit more detail next week but from what i can tell is look the rest the the big teams in the rest of europe need this super league to survive excuse me they need this super league to survive whereas the premier league teams don't they don't need it because the premier league will always bring in huge, huge amounts of money. The Premier League draws in more money from outside of the UK than it does from within the UK, which is mental. No other league in the world does that. So I'll do a bit more digging on this on this uh, Super League and this proposed new Super League where it will have promotions and relegations as opposed to the original plan, which was just a, a closed shop and potentially the the death of football, as people were calling it. So, I'm going to take a quick drink. But you all love seeing that. And let's quickly talk about... Well, it ain't going to be quick. Let's talk about Man City. So, on Monday, news broke that... Man City were being charged with over a hundred breaches of financial rules by the Premier League. Now, I'm not going to go into huge amounts of detail, not to the degree that I did last week about FFP. And by the way, thank you for anyone that sort of come back and you know and and you know said it was they enjoyed the episode and and all of that. I really appreciate it. But I won't go into that much detail because look, it's it's kind of old news now and and you know, all the all the details are out there if you want them. But essentially, Man City have been investigated for the last... It's taken four years, nearly five years for the Premier League to do this investigation into Man City's finances. And what has come back is 105 breaches of where rules have been broken between 2009-2010 season to the end of the 17-18 season. So there are... There are uh, 50-odd breaches to do with financial information uh, and the accuracy of it. So the main thing here is that it is alleged that Man City, and again, like I say, this is all alleged, Man City inflated had, had inflated sponsorship deals above market value to make the club richer. Because as I spoke about last week, FFP, you can only spend what you earn and you earn a lot of it through sponsorship. However, what they're saying is, is a lot of what, what is being alleged is that a lot of this sponsorship 
was basically a cover for actually cash injections from the owners, from the Abu Dhabi group. Uh, and the, some of these sponsorship deals were overinflated to put more money into the club. There is there is a few breaches as well about the accuracy around how much they were paying managers. So there's there's talk that Ma, uh, Mancini Mancini's contract uh, was was wrong in terms of what they what he was being paid on the contract compared to what he was actually being paid. Uh, and the same has happened with one or two players. So I think with Mancini, what was happening was he had his contract, which was, you know, I am the Man City manager. This is how much I earn. And then alongside that was another contract, which uh, was to do with like a consultancy thing. That parallel contract with the consultancy wasn't kind of, uh, wasn't, wasn't put out there in terms of like this is how much this is an outgoing for Man City. The same has happened with uh, a few player contracts as well, but no player names have been mentioned as far as I'm aware. Um, they've also been charged with a few breaches of the UEFA rules, uh, fair play rules. So financial fair play rules. Sorry. So we know that Man City did get a two-year ban from European competition but it was overturned by the courts uh, of arbitration for sport. But that got overturned. They won the appeal, blah, 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 all of that sort of stuff. And it was to do around timings. Now, there is no, there is no limit on how far back the Premier League can go back in their investigation. If they wanted to, they could go back to the very first season of the Premier League 30-odd years ago. And also they can't go to the court of arbitration for sport for this either. So that will make it interesting as well. Um, and then there was some breaches around sustainability and profitability rules. And interestingly as well, there were 30 breaches of failure to assist the Premier League in the investigation. So those 30 are outside of that time frame that I spoke about earlier there basically it's been alleged that Man City were very obstructive and weren't very helpful in the investigation so they've hammered a load of that on top as well now this is going to be looked at by an independent commission it's going to be three people on a panel um, and they will look into this now there is a number of of punishments that Man City could get if they are found guilty of any of these 105. It can range from a fine, which we know for Man City, unless it's in the billions, which it won't, wouldn't be. It's not an issue to Man City to be fined. Some of the other punishments could be transfer embargoes, so basically they can't sign players for so many windows. Uh, they could be suspended from playing. Uh, they could be relegated. They could have the title stripped from them. They could have a points deduction. Some of the matches to be replayed, which I don't think will happen at all. Um, and there's one or two others as well um, that... Again, I don't think will happen. Now, the the taking of the titles 
uh, would <laughs> has got a few Liverpool and, and United fans excited because in that time period they won six Premier Leagues and if they were to have the title stripped from them and it goes to the second place, very much like they do in like the Olympics when a athlete is found guilty and they won the gold, and they found guilty of cheating, essentially, uh, it goes to whoever came second. So in this case, three of the titles would go to United and three of them would go to Liverpool, uh, which would make Brendan Rodgers a Premier League winner. It would make Holly Gunnar Solskjaer a Premier League winner and Jose Mourinho a Premier League winner again. And he did always say that coming second with United was his biggest achievement in football. And uh, he might be right. He might be right on that one. I, From what I've read and from what I've watched uh, when I've been sort of looking into this, I don't think the Premier League are going to be looking to go back and rewrite history, so to speak. Now, for there to be my my opinion of this is you know I've I've heard I've heard a lot of people say well they're just going to get away with it because they're Man City they'll just you know money talks they'll get the best lawyers ever or that they can afford which is you know a, you know an endless pot of money uh, and they have they have hired a uh, a lawyer uh, Lord Panic interesting name. Uh, who's going to be who's whose rates are apparently you know similar to he could be earning as much as what De Bruyne earns in a week. I'm being serious. He he charges something like five thousand pound an hour, um, and he was used by Boris Johnson through the Partygate stuff. So he is a very very high profile lawyer, and Man City have have. Uh, have employed him to look into this uh, and he will be going, him and his team will be going th- over all this with a fine tooth comb and they will be deciding whether, you know, do the Premier League have anything on Man City or is it just, um, you know, they don't have anything and, and at worst you're going to get is a fine. So obviously a lot of people have said, look, Man City are just going to get away with it. Of course they are. Um, I... I think for the pre- if the Premier League come forward, and this is purely my opinion, Premier League have said you have broken 105 rules. Or you've broken these rules and it adds up to 105 occasions of you breaking these rules. If Man City are, are found not guilty of all of them, all this will do is it will make the Premier League look weak. It will make the Premier League look, look uh, stupid. And it will also strengthen that idea that football needs an independent commission which was going to be announced this week around this idea of an independent commission for football and the timing of of the premier league doing this is very uh is very interesting and some would say you know a bit more than coincidental that actually this is the premier league coming out and saying actually we don't need an independent commission We've got our own house in order, thanks, and we're going to take one of the mo- one of the richest clubs in the world to task, and we're going to we're we're going to show you what they've been up to, and we will enforce something on them. Uh, so, look, it's interesting to see what what happens. Nothing's going to happen, I don't think, before the end of this season. 
Now, if it's a points deduction, the points deduction happens within the season that the report comes out from from the findings from this uh, independent panel. So let's just say this time next year, we get the results of the independent panel and they are deducted 20 points. That will happen immediately within, you know, within that season. So if you were to, if you were to take 20 points off them now, it puts them somewhere around the bottom three. Um, me personally, and so <laughs> me personally, I, I, I wouldn't want to see the titles taken off them because it's not the players' fault. You know, they've gone out there. And yes, you know, City have been able to assemble a squad by allegedly inflating how much revenue they get and, you know, lying to get around these FFP rules. But the players still had to go onto that pitch and give it their all and all of that. So to take the titles away from those players. And to be honest, you know, I know fans fans like the idea of, you know, United fans like the idea of, of winning, you know, titles when they feel like they, you know, when they probably should have. You know, Liverpool especially, you know, it would mean that, that Gerrard would, would actually get a Premier, League's me- Premier League winner's medal and that sort of stuff, all those, all those sort of, dream scenarios for fans but i don't think you should take the the titles away from them now what's interesting is you can get multiple you can get multiple punishments so there's nothing saying that there's nothing to stop actually this independent panel from saying right we are going to relegate you down to league 1 league 2 you're also going to start that the that season on minus 30 points we're going to fine you X amount and also you can't buy any players for four transfer windows. That could happen. Now, what I read, my my initial thought was that they would potentially be a, a, a massive fine. And I know I said earlier that a fine doesn't really impact City. A massive fine, a transfer embargo, and maybe a points deduction is where I think it will end up. Now, I read earlier that the the early thoughts from from Man City, from from the lawyers is that the best thing for City to do is to settle this out of court because if it goes further, if it gets you know how if it gets as far as it can, that actually, and then let's just say that they are found guilty, then they appeal, and then they fail the appeal that it will result in relegation and a points deduction. So watch this space. And I guess that's where, if it's settled out of court, so to speak, that's where actually those that said, well, money talks and they'll get away with it would kind of be right. Um, So we wait and see on that one. I mean, it, I, I, there's, I don't know what, I don't know how long it's going to take, um, but it'd be interesting. I mean, if they were to, Let's just say, for example, you know, on a, you know, they were to start start a season uh, on minus thirty. If they were able to keep their players, would it would it take them that long to claw that back? I mean, the knock on effect of that is they would probably unlikely to qualify for European competitions, which then has a knock on effect, you know, and all of that. 
but uh, yeah, be be uh, it'll be interesting to see see what comes of it. Um, some people are really really angry about it. You know, it's it's cheating at the end of the day. I don't think they're the only club that probably do this. You know, inflated sponsorship deals and things like that. So, you know, we'll wait and see. Right. Hopefully that wasn't too boring for some people or confusing or whatever. Let's have a quick look at the Premier League fixtures for this weekend and I will give you my terrible predictions. If you want to earn yourself a lot of money, just bet the opposite to what I'm about to say and you will be just fine. So we have... First up on Saturday, we have West Ham at home to Chelsea. Tough one to call this. I think a, I think this will be a draw. Uh, Arsenal, Brentford, you know, I think Brentford are a good side, but Arsenal at home, they need to bounce back after last week's result. Uh, so I'm going to go for an Arsenal win. Palace versus Brighton. So this is a, this is a rivalry. And I'm not going to go into the the whys and what for and how this ended up being a rivalry. All I know is that it's got nothing to do with geography or anything like that. It isn't a derby in the same sort of how you would call Everton, Liverpool a derby or City City United, you know, that sort of thing. It's a rivalry that goes back to the 70s. Um, If you want to fully understand it, Go check out, and this isn't like a a, a sponsorship or anything like that. Um, go check out a guy on YouTube called uh, his channel's called HLTCO. Yeah, HLTCO. He's a he's a Crystal Palace fan. Has got a brilliant brilliant podcast. He's just recently gone into you know put, doing YouTube videos. Um, he explains it really really well as to why this is a derby game. But going back to my predictions, I think this will be, I think, a Brighton win. I'm going to go with a Brighton win. Uh, Fulham versus Nottingham Forest. Now, I would have originally, you know, a couple of weeks, a few weeks back, I'd have said Fulham win, not a problem. But Forest have, have picked up, you know, some some good wins for them. Um, and I think this will be a little bit tougher for Fulham than they, than they probably expect. I'm going to go with a draw. Uh, Leicester at home to Spurs. I'm looking forward to going that. As I mentioned earlier, looking forward to seeing these new signings in action. I feel like we're kind of, uh, I feel like we've got to score at least two to to win the game because um, Harry Kane will score. I'm going to go for a draw. Yeah, draw. Uh, Southampton Wolves. I mean, Southampton need to... Southampton really need something here. Wolves, you know, another win for them and it pulls them further away from from that relegation zone. The Leicester fan in me wants this to be a draw, uh, but I do think it will be a Wolves win. And I do actually think that, you know, a a, a, a big Southampton defeat and Nathan Jones could be in trouble. Big time. So... We'll see on that one. Uh, down on the south coast, we have the Eddie Howe derby. So it's Bournemouth versus Newcastle. 
Newcastle for me, you know, I can't I can't look past Newcastle whenever whenever they play at the moment. Uh Leeds versus United again on the Sunday. So the reason that we've had two very quick Leeds United Leeds versus Man United fixtures is because one of them was the rearranged game from the the weekend that football was postponed following the Queen's passing. So that's why they've played each other in quick succession. Um I mean Leeds gave gave United a, a game last night and then and that's at Old Trafford. I think the that result last night despite the fact that it you know, in reality, it's two drop points for Leeds, but they'd have taken a draw pre-match. I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric on Sunday at Ellen Road. So, oh, I actually think it's going to be another draw. You know, United are without Casemiro again. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a draw on that one. City versus Aston Villa. I mean, judging by last week and with the week that Man City have had, you could end up with a very, very angry Man City, uh, especially with the defeat last week and everything else that's gone on. This could be a bit of a bloodbath. Um, it could be a cricket score, all of those um, cliches that I can think of at the moment. Uh, I'm going to go for a Man City win. And then on Monday didn't realize this was on this coming weekend or weekend fixtures. Uh Monday we have the Merseyside derby Liverpool against Everton. Liverpool struggling, Everton new manager just beating the team at the top of the league so very uh oh interesting one. Interesting. Um mm, I'm going to go for a Liverpool win. Yeah, I'll go for that. And then next Wednesday, which is going to happen before I before I record again, again a game I didn't realise was being played: Arsenal versus Man City. A massive, massive game in terms of the top of the table. Uh, I mean, if 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 we go on the if we go on the basis that Arsenal and Man City win their games on Saturday and Sunday, respectively, um, this game. This game next Wednesday, you know, it's it's five points in it, but Arsenal do have a game in hand. So that that becomes a massive game. I mean, if Arsenal if Arsenal were to were to win at the weekend and then beat Man City to open up an eight point gap. Hmm. Interesting. Um what do I think? I guess it's hard to predict what's going to happen next Wednesday because you don't know what's going to happen over the weekend. I mean, obviously I didn't foresee Casemiro being sent off. And would that have, would that have changed my opinion as to whether United could beat Leeds Old Trafford? Probably not. But like you say, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in the games leading up to that one. You know, there could be injuries or whatever. Um, I'm not going to make a prediction on that Arsenal Man City game. I'm going to wimp out of it. And I'll probably tweet. Well, I think it will be. So, as we look at the table, as I said earlier, I'll go from bottom to top, basically. So, Southampton are bottom on 15, followed by Bournemouth on 17, Everton on 18, and then we have West Ham and Leeds both on 19. 
Wolves on 20, Leicester on 21, and then you've got Forrest uh, flew, flew right up there on, on uh, in 13th on 24 points. Palace and then Villa make up the bottom half. Villa on 28, Palace also on 24. And then as we look at our sort of top 10, you've got Liverpool in 10th, Chelsea 9th. Uh, I'm laughing because it's just funny, weird to see them down there. And then especially with the three teams above them, uh, Fulham, Brentford and Brighton, you know, all having brilliant seasons. Uh, they they occupy 8th, 7th and 6th respectively. You've got Spurs in 5th, Newcastle 4th, United 3rd, Man City in 2nd and Arsenal are still top. So that is your Premier League table. And that is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. It is much appreciated. Don't forget to check out the Games and Graps podcast and also don't forget to check out Finn Steele's Twitch streams, twitch.tv forward slash the Finn Steele. Um, my social media, uh, Twitter is at added football, uh, Instagram at added time pod and if you go on to Linktree, my Linktree, you'll find it, find all of the social medias on there. So this has been episode 29 of Added Time, a Games and Graph Studio podcast. My name's been Steve, and I will speak to you next time. Have a good weekend, stay safe, stay well, and goodbye for now.